time for me to say good morning to all of you fine, beautiful, wonderful folks. Yes, it is. And I do say good morning because uh, it is a good morning. And we're looking at God's grace today. Any day that you consider the grace of God, how can that not be a good, 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 good day? So uh, good morning to you. And uh, uh, if you are following along, we're in Ephesians 2. Uh, if you have your own Bibles and that's what you're using, that and a notebook, I recommend those things because uh, we have so much that we teach through these uh, chapters uh, as we study them. Some of you are maybe making breakfast or maybe you are listening in later in your day. Uh, you can just listen along, and certainly you will gain much just in the listening. Uh, whenever you are watching this, whether it's during the live portion from 6 until we're done by 7 o'clock, uh, 
or if it's a different day or later in the day, certainly would encourage you, if you haven't done so, to make sure to like and to follow Veracity Chapel. You can find that Facebook page if you haven't found it yet. If you've linked there through my page, uh, you can certainly uh, go to Veracity Chapel Facebook page or on YouTube. Either way, subscribe and follow on YouTube, uh, and then you'll get notifications every time that we uh, are online and live. So uh, make sure and do that. Uh, that would help us. That would help you. Uh, hear all the teaching. I, I try to teach in a way that is understandable, that it's for the common man. Um, that is my goal, to help uh, everyday folks just be able to understand God's Word and its application to life, because the point of it is the application of life. Uh, do not be merely hearers of the Word only, says James, but be doers. So uh, to, to be doers, in fact, 1 John chapter 2, verse 6 says this, anyone who claims to live in him must walk as Jesus walked. And that's the point. That's why we call this daily discipleship, wanting to try to help you uh, be able to uh, live as a follower of Christ. Um, so in, in the book of Ephesians chapter 2, we're going to jump right in here this morning, and it says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work and those who are disobedient. As for you, you were dead in your sins. Uh, in your transgressions and sins. Now, uh, some would think that transgressions and sins do, in fact, mean the same thing. Sometimes Paul will state uh, two different words that have the same meaning to to reinforce uh, the meaning of, of that one word, and that is that is a a common tool used by the Apostle Paul to, to use a couple of words to reinforce the meaning, the rendering of one uh, word. Uh, let me put this in the New Living Translation. Uh, the, the word that gets translated here for you is the word disobedience. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, so to transgress means to go against the law. To sin is to do things or to not do things. Either way, to do or to not do things that God wants us either to do or not to do. So, I mean, this helps to clarify a little bit the disobedience. The, the message says this. It wasn't so long ago that you were mired in that stagnant life of sin. Um that's all right. I mean, yeah, it was a stagnant life of sin. I think the New Living Translation and the uh, NIV 84 do a better job there. Uh, and uh, the English Standard Version, and you were dead in, in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. We talked about walking at the very beginning. Those who claim to live in him must walk as Jesus walked. We used to walk in our sinful ways. Now, hopefully, we are walking in godly ways. Hopefully, you're walking in, in ways that uh, are more like Christ, uh, that that would be the ways in which we're walking. And uh, so, uh, just to, to think about how we live. 
uh, as for you were dead in your transgressions or your disobediences and your sins. We were dead. We, we did not have spiritual life. Uh, we were spiritually dead men. It's like the, the night of the walking dead or just simply the walking dead. I mean, that really, for such a popular show, which I never understood why it was so popular, but it was like a top-rated show. I just never understood that. Um, but the reality is people are walking around in death. Uh, if you haven't rendered your life over to Jesus, if you haven't sought his forgiveness, if you haven't uh, looked for the ways of God in your life, if you haven't believed in Jesus, if you haven't received him as your Savior, I, I want to tell you, according to the Scripture, you are a dead man walking. Uh, the only way we have life, and we will see this as we work our way down through this passage, is through faith in Jesus Christ. That is how it comes. And we were dead in our uh, disobediences. We were dead in our sins. And it goes on and says in verse 2, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air. So it, 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 verse 2, the ways you used to live. There should be some type of a transition in our lives. There should be some type of a transaction that takes place when we trust in Christ. In fact, the, the Bible is loaded right up with um, teaching, with doctrine about the, trans, uh, the, the, the transactions that take place the moment someone gives their life to Christ. It is absolutely incredible to see what is given to us when we give our lives in Christ. There is a transaction. And verse 2 speaks of a transaction in which you used to live. We used to live. The implication is that we no longer continue to to live in the ways that we used to live. We we live in a different way. It says, uh, verse 2, in which you used to live, when you followed the ways of this world, we'll just stop there. When you follow the ways of this world, uh, we are called to a change. We're not just called to believe. We're not just called to attend church. We're not just a called to give mental assent to the reality of Christ, we are called to change. We are called to stop following in the ways of this world. Now, now that, um, that phrase, the ways of this world, is a pregnant term. Uh, it's a pregnant term with many puppies in it. Uh, we're going to be having puppies here within the next week, we believe, uh, many puppies, we think, uh, and there are many ways, it's, this term, the ways of this world is pregnant in the sense, and I say with many puppies, because there's all kinds of different ways that you can look at this, that you can understand this, and, and I, that that is a term that, I mean, we could probably stop and spend the rest of our day today, uh, at least in this broadcast, and maybe two or three broadcasts talking about what are the ways of this world. One of the things that we do to understand the ways of this world is to juxtapose the ways in which we used to live with how does God want us to live? What does the Bible say about the way that we live? And, and some would have a very, very 
uh, broad inclusion of what they would include in the ways of this world. Some would have a narrower inclusion. Uh, some would be more uh, exacting about what the ways of this world means, and others would be more tolerant. Uh, where the Bible is black and white, we should be black and white. Where the Bible isn't black and white, we need to be careful because now we're making it say something that it doesn't say. Where there are principles about living in this world, we need to understand what those principles might be and how that in, may impact us and what difference that might, might, might make to us. You used to live in these ways when you followed in the ways of this world to understand the ways of this world. Well, we could go over to uh, Galatians chapter 5, which we did the other day, and, and I will take you there this morning. Uh, to give a little bit of a view of some of what living in the ways of this world according to the flesh uh, might mean. Um, here are some of, the, some of the things, living in the ways of this world. Galatians chapter 5, verse 15. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you'll be destroyed by each other. This, this doesn't mean like literally gnawing on each other's flesh. You know, take a bite out of someone's arm or something. It doesn't mean that. But biting and devouring each other has, has this idea of the things that we say to and about each other. If you keep on doing this, watch out or you'll be destroyed by each other. And that is a way of the world, the backstabbing. And sadly, this also happens among Christians, and it ought not because the Bible says it shouldn't. Verse 16 says, So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. The desires of the sinful nature are the ways of the world. Verse 17 says, For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit. The Spirit, what is contrary to the sinful nature, they are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Then it goes on. He now begins to give some clarification of some of these things. The acts of the sinful nature, the acts of the flesh, the acts, the ways of the world are obvious. Sexual immorality, and, and that is one that rages in our day. Impurity, Debauchery. Now, what is debauchery? Let's pull this up in the New Living Translation and see if it translates that word any differently. Oops. Um, sorry. My fingers are working too fast here. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures... Uh, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. And it goes on, he defines in verse 22 the, what the fruit of the Spirit looks like. I mean, these are some of the markers of living in this world's way. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, you know, sorcery. You know, what, what do we think about witchcraft? Well, the Bible calls it evil, uh, and yet we... Uh, we I know some Christians who will go to see fortune tellers and whatnot. 
friend, that that's sinful. Uh, that is not the way of God. That is the way of the world, and uh, shouldn't be doing that. Horoscopes and the like; uh, those are not Christian. Those are sourced in demon in, in the demonic, and we should not go there. Uh, hostility. I mean, some of you say, "Well, I don't have a problem going to that type of, you know, to, to sorcery and witch, witchcraft." But the hostility, sometimes the quarreling that we just want to think it's okay, just keep on quarreling. Uh, outbursts of anger—that's one that can get me, and I, I keep asking the Lord to help me with that one. The selfish ambition, dissension, division, and all these other things: envy, drunkenness, wild parties. Um, you can have parties. You don't have to be wild. You can you can have laughter. I've had more fun with, with my Christian family than I ever did in the days when I was partying like crazy and, uh, you know, tipsy on uh, uh, on the alcohol. Uh, much much better uh, living in Christ. Here in Galatians, we see some definition of what Paul is talking about uh, in Ephesians chapter two, living in. In the world's ways, uh, you used to live in sin, it says here. I'm still in the New Living Translation, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. Uh, he is the spirit of work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. Uh, just think about the, how the devil has sway on those who refuse to obey God. Let me go back in the NIV 84. Uh, you used to live in those ways, following, and, and notice the, the term here, the ruler of the kingdom of the air. Did you ever catch the, uh, did, did you ever catch the um, tagline for, I think it used to be Verizon. Now, I don't. I don't think this means by any stretch that Verizon's demonic, but rule the air, it said. Now, it meant the airwaves. But I, I, anytime I heard that phrase, rule the air, again, I think it was a tagline for Verizon, I always went back to this verse and, and thought about how uh, the enemy, our adversary in verse 2, is called the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit now at work in those who are disobedient. I mean, I do think that probably the NLT gives us a little bit better understanding uh, in that verse. Uh, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. I, I do think that that is uh, that that is what uh, what is meant. Uh, I think that really clarifies the, the commander of the powers of the unseen world. Otherwise, I mean, I, I could see some Christians saying, well, anything that travels through the airwaves is, you know, television and radio and all these things are, are of the devil uh, because it says it right here in Ephesians 2. two. I, I, I don't take it that way, and I encourage you not to take it that way. However, to understand that there is lots of evil that travels through the airwaves, all kinds of it. Uh, but even more than that, the commander of the powers in the unseen world, as we see here in the New Living Translation, he's commanding powers who want to have their sway on you. They want to have their sway on me. They, they want to uh, make uh, cause us to not live in the ways of God, and, and yet we are called to live in the ways of God. Uh, the end of verse 2 says, He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. 
That is who he is, the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. For people who are refusing to obey God, uh, are they succumbing to the sway uh, of the devil? That's a question. This verse seems to imply, yes, they are succumbing. Can Christians succumb? Absolutely. Now, I'm not saying a Christian could be outright possessed, but I do believe, and there's another verse here in Ephesians chapter 4, that speaks about giving the devil a foothold. I mean, we can be tripped up by our own flesh, Uh, We can be tripped up in the world's scheme and the world's way in things, uh, and we can be tripped up by the devil. All those things conspire. All those things work against us. We can be tripped up by absolutely every one of those things, and they, they do impact us. They do have sway upon us, but we are called to no longer live in that way. So verse 3 goes on and says this to us. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else, by our very nature. I mean, we deserved the wrath of God. We deserved the judgment of God. We deserved the discipline of God because our sinful nature, the inclinations of that sinful nature, following after our passionate desires. Now, there are all kinds of different things that uh, that we could relate here. Now, Paul is writing to a city that was uh, filled with sexuality. A city, uh, the city of Ephesus brought spirituality and sexuality together. And Paul is saying that is not the way of God. So when it speaks of the passionate desires, uh, you know, the the temple, the shrine to Diana, the the, the temple, the shrine to Artemis, goddesses of uh, of passion goddesses of um the erotic goddesses of um fruitfulness in, in terms of, of uh bringing forth children i mean they went to the temple and engaged in all kinds of things uh, and, and were led by passionate desire so he is writing to a people who live in a city no small city, just for the record, and I won't tell you the number that they believe lived in uh, Ephesus. I will share that this Sunday. Uh, But a city that gave itself to passionate desires, a city that gave itself to to inclinations of the sinful nature, and and, and we, we live in a world that is much the same. Uh, and it, we might not. We might look at some things and go, "Well, that isn't so sinful." Does it lead you to God or away from God? Things that lead away from God could be sinful. I mean, even work could become sinful. You know, work. I mean, work is a gift from God. Uh, work is something in which we can glorify God. Unless work consumes us and our work becomes our God. I mean, we see that in American culture as well. Verse 3 says this, 
All of us used to live that way. Used to. We're no longer to live that way. If we are in Christ, we are to live a different way. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires, inclinations, sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. Now, there's something I, I need to say out of verse 3. and I need to watch my time here. Verse 3, by our very nature. In our very nature, we were sinful. Uh, you know, there's a teaching that men are all good. Well, there's another teaching about depravity that, no, men are all sinful. Uh, and, and I buy the second. I, I buy that men are sinful. We are sinful in our nature. It is uh, something genetically passed on to us by Adam and Eve. We are made sinful uh, in that way. We are sinful in our nature. We are given over to sin to do those things in that way. And because of that nature, because of that sinfulness, we were subject to God's anger. God should have poured out on us his anger. In fact, it is only God's mercy that keeps him from pouring his anger out on us in our contemporary society, our contemporary culture. It is only his mercy. Uh, when you think about the rampant sexuality, when you think about uh, all the abortions, when you think about... Uh, how people rail against the ways of God, how people want some form of godliness to, but deny the reality of that godliness. That's in the letter to Paul. Uh, I mean, in the letter from Paul to Timothy, it's 2 Timothy chapter 3 that talks about those things. Uh, we deserve God's anger. In fact, I do think in the NIV 84, yes, it says this in verse 3. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath, but God did not give us his wrath. We get to verse 4, uh, and verse 4 shows us the love of God. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. I'll stop there. God loved us. God is merciful to us. We, we weren't looking necessarily for, for the love of God. We weren't looking necessarily for the mercy of God. When we were dead in our transgressions, when, when we could not even bring ourselves to life, I, I mean, there is there are implications for for reformed thinking here that we talked about last week. I mean, God made us alive with Christ when we were dead. We didn't make ourselves alive with Christ when we were dead. No, God made us alive. God made us alive with Christ even when we were dead. It is by grace you have been saved. It is God's graciousness. That's one of the, the teachings uh, of uh, Calvinism that we looked at last week. It is by grace you have been saved. There are some people who would say, well, well, I'm a pretty decent person. I deserve to be in heaven. Uh, no, uh, you might not be as bad as somebody else, but you still have bad in you. You still have wicked in you in some measure. You still have evil in you in some measure. God did it for you. God reached out his hand and brought to you salvation. 
God, who is rich in mercy, made you alive with Christ when you were dead in transgressions. It's by grace you have been saved. God's graciousness. God giving us what we do not deserve. Mercy and grace, both in these two verses, in verse 4 and in verse 5. Mercy keeping us from getting us what we do from getting what we do deserve. And grace giving us what we don't deserve. We don't deserve salvation. We don't deserve heaven. People say, well, I'm a pretty decent person. I, I think God thinks well of me. No, God uh, is merciful and loves you. Big difference in thought there. Uh, and, and you will be around people. I, I've given. I have helped. I have... Uh, I've gone to church some. You know, I, I've been a pretty decent person. Doesn't merit heaven, folks. The only thing that merits heaven is the grace of God, period. And we we respond to that grace that is given to us, and we'll go down into these verses further and see what that means. Verse 5 said, He made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions and in our sins. It's by grace you have been saved. And then it says this in verse verse 6. Keep, I'll keep on there. It says, God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. He has done this for us. God raised us up with Christ, seated us with him in the heavenly realm. The idea of raised up is like this, the, the resurrection idea. God resurrected us with Christ, and uh, we, we were powerless. We, we, were, we were lying in our grave, powerless to do anything, powerless to, to even move an eyelid, powerless to take a breath, powerless to, to even, even just wink, wiggle a pinky. We were powerless. We were dead. We were in the grave. And yet God raised us up with Christ into life. The power of God at work in us, you and I, it tells us we are saved by grace through faith. We'll see that down in verse 8. He raised us up, and then not only did he raise us up, it isn't like he just, you know, like in old days perhaps, they, they, you know, you dig a hole, you throw the body in it, you fill it up with dirt, and you walk away, and maybe put a little cross or some little marker there, some little cairn stack of stones or something like that, some stones over it, and it rots in the grave. Uh, and, and it isn't like God just, okay, pulled back the dirt and picked us up out of the dirt and stood us up and went, well, there you go. You're alive now, and yet we're still tattered clothes and, you know, half-rotted bodies. And I, I'm not trying to be gross, but but I'm trying to give the picture here of uh, he not only brought us from the grave, but it says even more than that in verse 6, it says he seated us in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Yes, friends, I mean, we, we walk this earth, we walk in our flesh, but yet in a positional sense, we are made sons of God. We are adopted together uh, as children of God. We, we, we have a seat at the table in the heavenly realms because of Jesus. We have all of that because of Jesus. God resurrected us. God gave us the, the, the resurrection life. Even now, you and I have that, that life. 
that we can know the power of the resurrection living in our lives, living for God, living for Christ, and then seated with him, this positional place. Friends, don't, don't think you're just a poor pauper. Don't think that, that you are just a, 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 a infinitesimally small, insignificant being. No, you are adopted by the God of heaven. You were seated together with Christ at the table. You have an incredible inheritance. Be encouraged. Find hope. Find strength. Be renewed. Be refreshed. Be empowered because of what God has done for you through Christ. Now he continues on. He says, God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show. And again, here's Paul using this adjective that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. I mean, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace. I mean, the, the incomparable, incomparable riches of his grace you and I continue to experience. Uh, we continue to uh, have what the, the, the apostles passed on to us the riches of his grace, and we pass the riches of his grace on to other people, and the riches of his grace are ex expressed in the kindness to us in Christ Jesus. God does not treat us as our sins deserve. God is kind to us. So, friend, if God is kind to us in this way, you can be kind to yourself. I've sat with people who cannot forgive themselves for something they've done, yet God does, and I will say to them, how can you, a mere mortal uh, not forgive yourself when, when the holy God of heaven has forgiven you. Because I'll say, have you asked for forgiveness? Well, I've asked God to forgive me, but I just can't forgive myself. Who are you to, to, to not forgive yourself when God himself can forgive you? When God knows you even better than you know yourself, he forgives you. Live in the forgiveness. Friend, if you're a person that's been holding all this against yourself right now, I encourage you. Don't hold on to what God isn't holding on to. God is not holding on to your sins. God is, has released you of your sins. God has forgiven you of your sins, and you confess those sins to him. You need to move on from that and live in his forgiveness. Don't let the enemy, don't let the prince of the power of the air continue to hold you hostage in a place where you do not need to be held. No, God has shown you the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in kindness through Jesus. He continues to express that, that kindness through Jesus. Live in his kindness. Live in the riches of his grace. Verse 8 says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. It is not by works, so no man can boast. I mean, again, I, I, I've shared before 
I shared again this morning. I've shared it earlier this morning even. It isn't your works that save you. It isn't because you're a good person. It isn't because you go to church. It isn't because you think you're religious. It isn't because you even act spiritual. None of that stuff saves you. There is the work of God's grace in your being, which you respond to through faith. Now, there are some of us who believe that because what it said up in uh, verse 5 that, that God made us alive in Christ. Some of us believe that God even gives us the, the ability to believe. I believe that. I believe I was completely inept in and of myself, but God gave me the ability to believe. And, and somehow the, the work of God and the work of man comes together in the word faith. Faith is something that we enact or that we take hold of or, or, or that... Um, it is our part of the equation. We respond to the grace of God through faith. There's God's part in this, and there is man's part. And if you have not responded to grace expect, expressed through Christ, then I encourage you by faith to say, Lord Jesus, I believe in you. To say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you are my way to heaven. Lord Jesus, I entrust myself to you as my Savior. I realize, as it says in verse 9, it is not by works, so I can't boast. I can't boast that I've been good enough. I can't boast I've cleaned my life up enough. I can't boast that I've ever given enough. I can't boast that I've gone to, gone to church enough. I can't boast that I've served in the kingdom enough. I can't boast. It is only by the grace of God that I am saved through faith, and, and, and that is where I stand. That is the teaching of Scripture. Uh, there are some ecclesiastical teachings, some church teachings of, of some churches that would teach you, you know, th this whole faith thing, this whole born again thing is not a necessity, friends, if it says it in the word of God as clearly as it does, like it does right here, then yes, we only respond, we only uh, inherit, we only gain this salvation that is, that is extended to us by the grace of God through faith. Um, Romans chapter 6 tells us this down toward the end uh, of, of the passage. Let me show you. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is a gift that we gain through faith. We have to receive the gift of God. Uh, we have to trust the gift of God. And I mentioned the word born again. There are some ecclesiastical groups that do not believe this. However, here it is, John 3.3. 3. I reply, in reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born again when he is old? Uh, uh, Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter the second time into the mother's womb to be born. I mean, he's thinking this in a very physical sense. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of, of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth birth to flesh, the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my sayings. You must be born again. Now, when I was a young Christian, there were, there were people that turned against me. 
Uh, there, uh, people in the church that I had been attending because they they rejected this notion of being born again. How do you reject something that Jesus says so clearly? We must be born again. So we receive grace through faith. We're born again as, as the Spirit blows the wind of new life into us as we respond to God in faith, as we receive the gift of God, the, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We only gain salvation through faith, period. Verse 9 says this, not by works, so no one can boast. We cannot boast. It is it is what God has done in us. And then verse 10 says this. This is where I land this morning. It says, we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Just go ahead and say this to yourself. I am God's workmanship. Say it. Go ahead. Out loud. Uh, another way you might state it is you might say, I am God's handiwork. Go ahead, say it. I am God's handiwork. Another way you might say it is this way. I am God's masterpiece. You are, just to think about that, I mean, some of you perhaps uh, are inclined to always look down on yourself to believe the worst about yourself, to believe the negative about yourself, to, to keep yourself locked into a box that God is wanting to get you out of because you believe that you're not worthless. You believe you're not worthwhile. But if Jesus has gotten a hold of you, friend, you are worthwhile. Now, I would go on and say that, that we are um, worthwhile as human beings because we are made in the image of God. And so everybody that walks the earth is made in the image of God and in that sense is worthwhile, regardless of all the crazy stuff that people now say about themselves. Uh, but the teaching of Scripture is they are made in the image of God, therefore worthwhile. But for those in Christ, it goes even further. You, you, friend, are a masterpiece. You are a handiwork. You are God's workmanship. If God says that about you, you need to regard his truth about you and view yourself as God views you and allow him to continue his work in your life, making you all the more into the handiwork that he has designed you to be, into the masterpiece that he has designed you to be. Notice that it says that you're created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I mean, you're created in Christ Jesus. You are a masterpiece. But here's the thing. You are a masterpiece that, that has not been made just so you can go up in the, uh, in the China cabinet to be looked at. No. You are meant to serve. You are meant to do the good works that God wants you to do. And there, there are general good works that all of us can and should do. Uh, and then there are perhaps specific good works that God wants you to do. What does that good work look like for you? We're creating Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. 
I mean, there are things in advance that God has prepared for you to do. There are things that God has prepared for me to do. Uh, yesterday morning, I, I was uh, on the phone, not really on the phone, but but online with people in South Sudan talking about ministry and they're wanting help. And, you know, we have people from Kenya that, that come online and we have people from other places in the world that are reaching out and participating in what we do here. You know, for me, what what are all the good works that God wants me to do? And will I fulfill those things? What are the good works that God wants you to do? Now, they, they can be everything from what, what I was doing yesterday, talking to a brother in uh, South Sudan, uh, that, that is the role I need to do, and, and I need to do less of the things that oftentimes I, as a pastor, and I need to love people and care for people and teach the Word of God. And that, that's really where I'm coming to. When I'm in, that, in those lanes, I'm in my good lanes. When I'm trying to do other things, they're not such, such good lanes for me to be in because other people are more gifted at other things, and they need to do those other things. Um. And for you, what are your lanes? What are the good things that God is calling you to do? Well, friends, uh, we've been on here a while now. We've covered these first 10 verses of chapter 2. There is so much for you to grasp, to 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 to. to give great gratitude for the grace of God, for you to to have wonder at the fact that you are his workmanship, to have your hearts overflowing as his handiwork, uh, to, to let your minds be melted by being his masterpiece, all of those things created in Christ to do good works, to live in Christ. But just to think about how precious, how special you are, that God would draw you to himself by his grace and would seat you in the heavenly realms with Christ and would call you his masterpiece. Well, that's it for today. Lord, it's our prayer you help us to live as your masterpieces today. You'd help us to live as your handiwork. You'd help us to live in your grace. Lord, if there's somebody who's not yet received Christ by faith, help them to cross that line. Help them to move from from religion into faith uh, or or from irreligion into faith. Whoever may be listening today. And Lord, you know the hurts of our lives, you know the scars of our lives, you know the wars of our lives. We bring you all of these things. You know the war in Ukraine. It's no surprise to you. It's part of your plan. We don't understand it. We, we would pray that you would end the war in Ukraine and that you'd bring great comfort and great aid to the people in that part of the world today. Lord, for all the burdens in the world, we, we, we bring those burdens to you in Jesus' name. And we say, Lord... Hear our prayer. Have a good day, everyone. I will see you tomorrow.